Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to a new episode of Oral Sessions with me, Renee Paquette. Listen, this is the show where we don't fuck around. We get good guests, we have great conversations, and we hit the freaking pavement running. And that's exactly what happened in this week's episode. Because I got the one, the only, the president of all elite wrestling One of the best dudes, just such a sweet, genuine soul that just loves him some wrestling and made his own wrestling promotion. We've got Tony Khan on this week's episode. He was so great. I mean, I've not been able to see Tony in a little while because I've not been able to travel with John. Um, The world's in shambles, as we all know. I'm pregnant, as we all know. So I've been firmly planted at home. So it was so cool to just get to sit down and shoot the shit with him for a little bit. But just finding out, you know, about the inception of AEW, kind of a reflection on AEW, looking back at the year that they've had on TV, uh, their their contract with TNT, the successes that they've had, what he wants to change, where he wants to grow, talent that he wants to develop. Um, We talk about the competition in wrestling and how that is thriving, which is amazing for all fans of wrestling. Thank you to all wrestling promotions for that. And uh, we also talk about what it is like being raised by a self-made billionaire. That's just something that I find fascinating. And Tony's really cool talking about it and talking about his relationship with his father and uh, talking to his dad about wanting to start doing AEW. Of course, Tony Khan and his dad, uh, you know, they have the Jacksonville Jaguars. They've got Fulham FC in the Premier League. So uh, no strangers to the world of sports. But um, now dipping their toes into the world of professional wrestling. Anyways, this was a blast of an interview. I loved hanging out with Tony. I hope that you guys enjoy this conversation. And I just got to listen to me pick his brain for a little bit. Also, by the way, when we started recording this, I was like, oh, we'll go like an hour. We did like an hour. And uh, I thanked him for his time because he's a very busy man. Then we ended up just talking for like another 45 minutes or so. So we ended up recording again a little bit. So you get the Frankenstein of that. Um, but before we get to that interview, want to give a real quick shout out and a big thank you to this week's sponsor of Oral Sessions, which is Apostrophe. Apostrophe makes it easy to see board-certified dermatologists online. You get treated immediately and your medications are delivered to your home. You don't have to go anywhere. It's amazing. All you have to do is fill out Apostrophe's online questionnaire about your skin concerns and your medical history and then snap a few selfies uh, and your dermatologist will get back to you with a customized treatment that's tailored just for you. It's very easy. Don't put a filter on these selfies, you guys. They need to see your skin straight up for what it is. Then also the best part about Apostrophe is that they offer topical and oral medication so you guys can treat your acne from the inside out and the outside in. We're getting it from all angles here. Apostrophe treats acne. Um, they can also help you hit other skincare goals like reducing redness, wrinkles, and even dark spots, which let me tell you, that's been a bit of an issue with uh, this child that is growing within me that um, these little dark spots are popping up. Bit of an ish, but we're working on it here with Apostrophe. It's amazing. So one of the things that I really love about Apostrophe is, well, I mean, I just rattled off all these great things, but their packaging is great too. I love a good packaging situation. The unboxing experience, if you will, They come with really cute postcards and stickers so you can actually um, personalize your prescription bottle. Who doesn't want to do that? It's like going to school and being able to decorate your your binder or your duotang. Do you guys call it a duotang in the U.S.? We call it a duotang in Canada. Um, Anyways, 
the other great thing is that I just didn't even have to go to the pharmacy at all to pick up my medications during all this COVID craziness. It's so amazing. I could just have it all delivered right to my freaking door and you guys can do the exact same. So for you guys to get $15 off your first visit with a board certified dermatologist at apostrophe.com slash Renee, and you can use my code Renee. Now this code is only available to our listeners, very exclusive. So to get you guys started, just go to apostrophe.com slash Renee and click begin visit. Then use the code Renee, R-E-N-E-E at the sign up and you're going to get $15 off your dermatology visit. That's A-P-O-S-T-R-O. P-H-E dot com slash Renee. And that code Renee uh, is going to get your dermatology visit for $15 off. So big thank you to Apostrophe for sponsoring this episode of Oral Sessions. All right, guys, without further ado, here is the man, the myth, the legend, the one, the only, the president of all elite wrestling, Tony Khan. Good to see you. It's amazing to see you. We even have our matching headphones. Very chic of us. Yeah, we're like a tag team. Oh my God. Could you imagine that? I don't think we do very well. I don't think so either. I'm not <laughs> a great athlete. <laughs> I mean, I could be somewhat athletic, but I get blown up walking up the stairs these days. So I'm out. I got nothing. I got nothing. Um, so first things off the bat, while we've got you here, um, just to you know talk about it. Congratulations on what you guys put together for the Brody Lee tribute show. It was beautiful. You guys did just such an amazing job with that. It had such a human element to it and I easily regarded as one of the best tribute shows that we've, we've ever seen in wrestling. And obviously that was incredibly hard for everybody at, at AEW, but I think you guys all really rallied behind the Hubers and did such a beautiful job. I thought it was the best effort the crew has ever put together. I, I'm so proud of everyone who worked on the show and everyone in the company and how they've handled the situation because people knew for a long time John was sick. We told every wrestler, Amanda went out and had told people that John's not doing well and he needs your prayers and your thoughts, but also he needs you not to tell anybody this. And a lot of us were worried when she told the entire crew at once, but everybody kept the secret and supported them and we did everything we could. And then, you know, when it came time, all the wrestlers wanted to do something really nice for him. And I knew the tributes were going to be genuine from the heart. Like one of the greatest things you can say about Brody is that everybody immediately when the news came out that Brody had passed away, the first things everybody said about him are, this is a great person who loved his family so much and he loved wrestling those themes just came out and it wasn't a, a orchestrated choreographed thing at all. That's just the John everyone knew. No, it was very organic. Absolutely. I mean, anyone that he's met and uh, that has had any kind of an interaction with Brody just knows like what an outstanding human being he was. So congratulations on everything you guys put together and just, you know, during such a difficult time of having, um, you know, having a feel good moment. That I think everybody really needed. It was the hardest Worst thing I think uh, we've ever been through, Renee, it was the worst. When we did the show, I had no idea what to do a couple days before the show. And uh, Saturday, Brody passed. It was the day after Christmas. And talking to Amanda that night, and she decided to tell everybody, you know, for the first time that he'd been sick and that he'd passed. And it was a shock to a lot of people. It was a shock to some of his good friends even. And I felt like we had to do a tribute that would 
be right for him, but I didn't know what to do. I, I didn't sleep Saturday night. And the next day, the Jaguars had a game, and I went to the game, very restless, and late in the game and at the end of the game, I went over to Amanda, who she'd come to the game with Brody, and I ended up spending a long time talking to Amanda and also a little bit of time talking to Brody. And I told her, I swear, I promise, this is going to be the greatest tribute ever. I'd be lying if I said I know exactly what we're going to do. And I asked her how comfortable Lil Brody was about being involved, and she said very comfortable being involved. I can't say enough about how much people did to support her in this time. People that work here, Mega, Margaret, our legal team, have been supporting her personally as friends above and beyond, and then Cody and Vance, number 10 from the Dark Water, and I wanted to make it really special, but I, so I came back from the game Sunday night, I still hadn't slept, and I had to lay down for a little bit, and then I got up from this uh, kind of long nap, and I had all these missed calls, and I hadn't slept in days, and just kind of came out of a little bit of a, like maybe a two-hour coma, and I had a missed call from Dave Meltzer, and I called Dave back, and uh, he asked me what we're going to do. And I told him, I honestly don't know. And this was like, at this point, I don't know, it's like two, three in the morning. And uh, I put the pencil to paper after I got off the phone with Dave. And that's when I came up with the idea of the Dark Order represented in all the matches, teaming with baby faces in every match to make it clear that we're painting them in a, a brighter light, in a heroic light. And the story of the night would be, can the Dark Order get the clean sweep? Can they sweep all these matches? We knew that the tributes would be from the heart. And I knew that there'd be great videos. And I had gotten the rights to the song in advance, hoping that Brody was going to kick out. But knowing that the doctor said it was not a high percentage chance. And I wanted to make sure that we weren't behind the eight ball as far as getting him the greatest tribute video possible. So I got the music rights in advance. So then came up with this idea and how to work minus one, negative one, Lil Brody into the story and have him in there. But there were other things people came up with along the way that were great details. That kid knows how to wheel a kendo stick, huh? He's very stiff shot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's uh, injured a lot of people here. And, <laughs> and then, and then uh, so then the people I touched is I came in with this format and I was like, here's what I'd like everyone to do. And everyone was so great about it and wanted to put on the best tribute for him. And I said, if we can make this the greatest show ever, then his name will live forever. And right now on Cage Match, it's the number one rated wrestling show of all time, which I think is awesome because that was the goal. And everybody that went out and killed it, the matches were great. The tributes were great. The video was great. And the most important part of all was that Amanda and Brody and someday Nolan will be able to see this too. And, you know, because he's too young to really understand everything that's going on right now. Uh, thanks for asking about it. It's been the, it's been really hard, but, but I should add, like people came up that day with like a lot of touches that helped make the show more special. Like uh, Lance Archer went out and he said he wanted to get that was amazing. That was his idea. Yeah, and having having Eric Rowan there as well was that uh, was Spears' idea. That was Spears' oh, idea. Was it? it was like the day, but yeah, the day before he asked if I wanted to use Eric Redbeard. Yeah, and I said I would like to use Eric Redbeard. That's a great idea. I would probably have him come out in the middle of the show and do this thing with, you know, the Dark Order and Hangman there in that that spot in the middle of the show and then have Amanda and Brody at the end. And, and that's why we did it that way. Just the other takeaway that I have from the whole thing is um, my communication with Amanda during everything. And the main thing she kept 
um, reiterating to me was just how amazing AEW was to her throughout everything. You guys really made her feel um, as safe and secure, I think, as somebody could during such a difficult time. So kudos to you. Kudos to everybody at AEW. Um, and now negative one. He's going to be uh, he's going to be a future roster member. Huh? What, what went into putting that contract together and deciding, like, let's put this down on pen and paper here for for little Brody Jr.? Mega has been so supportive of him. And like I said, Cody had spent a lot of time with him and different people on the roster really enjoyed him. And he, he loves being around. He loves wrestling so much. And we're just trying to give him great stuff to help him develop his, his wrestling mind and, and frankly, to occupy his wrestling mind in a really difficult time. Yeah. His birthday is this weekend and we're going to have him there live to celebrate the birthday of negative one. And Amanda is very excited about it. You know, I've always tried to make sure anything we, he does. Amanda's uh, excited and wants to do. So if negative one gets his homework done in the next week, he will be there live on Wednesday night. There's rules, kid. <laughs> there are, there's rules. In AEW and in life, there are rules. Exactly. I would be remiss if I didn't say this story, too, that while we're talking about him, that one of the last moments he had of being aware of something was when he found out you were pregnant. I know. And I was told he was very, very happy for you and John. And I don't think he had a lot of good days after that, but that was a good day for him. That was something, um, you know, when we were coming out and letting everybody know, or John dropping the bomb on Dynamite, um, just kind of, you know, navigating all that. But after talking to Amanda and she told me that, I mean, that just, it made me feel so good to know that, um, you know, for him to be able to receive a bit of information that made him happy and to put a big smile on his face while going through everything he was going through. I mean, that's, that's, I don't even, uh, you know, how do you react to something like that? I mean, it's so special and so just to have that connection with Brody through that is really cool. He's a special person and he loved family and he valued family above all, which is why we wanted to tell everybody that about him. And I think now the whole world knows that about him and what a great family he has. So that's special too. And then to be able to declare Brody Lee, the TNT champion for life, I think is pretty awesome. And really you know, he's not alone. We're so many of us. We're all so happy for you, Renee. I mean, we're all uh, really excited. Thank you. <laughs> if I get out of breath during this interview, that's why I'm like, <gasps> oh, my body's just like going through all these insane changes. But it is really, really cool. It's funny watching uh, John react to everything. We just came back from doing an ultrasound and it was the first time he actually got to be in the room for the ultrasound. He was like, Oh my God, I can just see his brain like getting rattled, like checking it all out. And see, apparently our baby has gigantic long legs. So that'll be after him, not me. Okay, so here we are like a year into AEW. You've done it. What a successful year for you. What is like your reflections upon, I mean, you're over a year now, but just kind of looking back at the success that you guys have been able to have in this first year, what, what's your kind of take on it all? I'm very proud of the success we've had. I'm not surprised. And I think we're going to have a great 2021. Uh, We've learned a lot and we've had great progress, great growth. And one of the biggest moments for us was when John came in. And that was at the very beginning on our first show, at the end of our first show. And things have been so great since then. And I'm just really excited. Uh, Hopefully, we'll be able to get fans back in full capacity sometime soon. But what we've been doing, I think, has also been great and has been the best thing in wrestling, in my opinion. Really, we made Jacksonville the only place in America where you can safely go to a show. And I think from what I've seen, we've had great experiences with fans. Everybody reaches out to say how they felt very safe, how 
if you know their family or friend group in their pod, nobody bothered them. And we try to keep people there not mingling around with other people and they're everybody spaced out. And the idea came from the drive in movie. Oh, cool. Yeah. No honking though. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. And it's a little, but I'm, you know, that way I don't have to, I can't actually park cars up in the seating hole. <laughs> yeah. So rather than parking cars, you just kind of space everyone out, but it's the same idea. And when drive-in movies kind of made a comeback, everyone was trying to find creative ways to market their products and movies were no exception. And I stole the idea from the tonight show of uh, having the wrestlers around the ringside. And then I stole the idea from drive-in movies of facing people out. And a lot of football teams and different people are trying it now, but we were really the first ones to kind of develop the plan. And I know for the NFL and specifically for the Jaguars, they paid really close attention to what we did. I think for everybody, I mean, just the way that wrestling in general has handled the lack of audience. I mean, having like a cardboard cutouts has been weird or like, you know, trying to find different ways to navigate around it. But I feel like wrestling in general has really been like a, a front runner in, in figuring out how to work through this. It's been really impressive to see. A lot of wrestling is about innovative and being problem solving, you know, at work. And I think that this has presented problems. It's been very challenging, but like I said, wrestling is about problem solving. So Absolutely. I mean, you think of how often plans change or you've got to change things on the fly. It's like if anybody can navigate those waters, it's wrestling 100%. You know, you look back at what the year was and what a bunch of crazy situations to have your first year of a show really getting off the ground and a company getting off the ground. What are some of the things that you look back at as learning lessons or things that you want to change moving into year two? I'm really excited about adding a third hour of television. Hell yeah. And I think that's going to be the most important thing for us because right now we've accumulated so much talent and so much depth on the roster and being able to showcase all of our great wrestlers. When you say a third hour added on, this is not in a third hour added on to Dynamite. This will be something separate from that? Yes, it will not be. A, it will not be a third hour of Dynamite and it will not be on Wednesday, but it will be a third hour with Warner Media. It'll be a third... TV hour and it's great exposure for us. We've got Dark, which has been a great platform for our wrestlers on YouTube. And I think there are other streaming options and other shows we could do with YouTube or other streaming platforms. So there's going to be more opportunities. There's going to be more real estate for our wrestlers, but without oversaturating. I definitely don't want to want to do three hours of dynamite. And I feel really strongly about keeping our big four pay-per-views, the core big four. We may develop other shows. We've done other streaming specials and, and things and big episodes of Dynamite. But I think just expanding our calendar will be a big thing in 2021. As far as lessons I learned, the biggest lesson I learned was in 2019. And in 2020, the year's over now. And I think I did a much better job of this in 2020. And I felt like it helped the company rebound through a really difficult time. And that is being personally accountable. I have to be a better filter of ideas. To be honest, the stuff I liked the least in 2019 was stuff that I had low expectations for. Oh. Stuff that I almost scratched. And there were things that I didn't like. And by the beginning of 2020, I had pretty much gotten to the point where it was, I should trust my instincts more. And I really need to be responsible and stand up if I don't like an idea and say, like, no, you're not going to do that. I think this year we did, we're much more organized. And I tried to get more organized and do a better job in 2020. And I think the shows were more logical and better. And it paid off because we had a really challenging environment in the pandemic. But we've been able to maintain our audience better than any other wrestling show in America. And if you look at the stats, 
from the beginning of 2020 to the end, Dynamite retained the audience better than anybody. It was a really challenging year to do that. Even before the COVID pandemic, there were external challenges with cord cutting and a lot of the viewership moving away from cable. So to stay so strong in our viewership and actually build up and have some of our best audiences by the end of 2020 is pretty great. And I was on the phone with TNT today on a conference call and they were actually telling us how great we're doing. Hell yeah. John is a huge part of that. And having John back this week really was great. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, he knows what he's doing once he gets out there. <laughs> pretty great. He knows. He's pretty great. Uh, <laughs> he's like, he's the best. And uh, honestly, uh, you know, I missed him when he wasn't here for a few weeks and we missed him as a company, but I think uh, for everybody involved and John in particular, having the fans back has been really good. And there have been moments with our crowd, which is sellout now for us is 20% is close to 1100. It's like 1080 is a full house for us now. If we open up the top balcony, if not, then we do about 750. Basically, we've got a pretty loyal base of fans coming in and it's almost like a territory, which is pretty cool. But like a worldwide televised, internationally televised territory, which is like kind of something I always wanted to do. And I never thought this would be that, but it's pretty great. And the fans that are here have like supported it. But John is one of the people who talks the most to me about how important the live crowds are and how psychologically, which I think we could talk today specifically. Oh, you and I could talk for hours about it, about John's psychology and how I think he's so cerebral and one of the most smartest people I know. When I just watch him at home, the way he dissects things or like when he gets in his like zone, I'm like, I need to, I, I have to give him his space during next month. He is in working mode. I just... His brain just works on a different level that I find fascinating. It's it's really cool the way that the way he looks at things and analyzes things. And it's really interesting, especially now. I mean, from what he's been able to do and achieve with you guys over the, the however whatever it's been a year and a half, however long it's been that he's uh, that he's been with AEW, and for you to allow that space for people to grow and develop, I think is really amazing. I love collaborating with people, but there's nobody I love collaborating with more than him. He's my favorite person to work with. He's like. <laughs> He has the best ideas and you know about our three-way calls and I love doing our three-way calls with, and one of, I was telling Amanda this story because we did with Brody because the pandemic, you can't do all the face-to-face meetings you would have done in the past. So we planned so much stuff with Brody on a three-way call. Like John and I talked for probably 45 minutes and then we patched Brody in and we talked for another 45 minutes. It's a great process. And I love talking wrestling with John. I love talking ideas with John, but I learned so much every time I talk to him. Not always just about wrestling either. You know, so much about so many different things. Yeah, me too. I'm like that all the time. I'm like, damn, he's far more insightful than I can be. I'm so knee jerk reaction. I'm like so high energy and he really processes things differently than me. His pace on life, I find interesting. You can edit this out if you don't want to use it, but I've read some of the book he's writing. Oh, awesome. It's awesome. Really cool, right? I love it. So it's funny because he's working off of my laptop. So my email set up on there. So anytime he sends it off to himself, it's sent through my sent email. So he's like, check it and read it. And reading all this stuff that he's been writing. And I had no doubt. I've been up his ass forever. I'm like, dude, you need to write a book because he can be a very eloquent speaker. And um, his... um, his memory, as I'm thinking of the word, what's the word? His memory is so amazing. The stuff that he's able to draw from, but the fact that he's actually doing that now and writing it himself, I'm, I think it's going to be such a badass product. 
I can't wait. I'm so excited about it. It's so cool. And the best part of reading it has been that like, you can so tell he's writing it himself. Cause it's like literally like <laughs> reading him talking, which is the best. It's like a transcript of him talking. I, but it, it's really interesting. And it's very cool. I, I'm very excited about it. So yeah, if he doesn't want us to use it, we'll just cut this, but otherwise I'll check with him, but I, it is very cool. I love Proud it. of him. So in the absence, so, you know, like you just said, John's been home. He was off TV after he lost the title to Kenny Omega. He's home for a few weeks. How important is it for you in those weeks of having somebody of his caliber off of TV to really let some other stars build and step into, into that spotlight? It's really important. And uh, we tried to do that and showcase people. And also there was a good story reason why he was off. So even when he's gone, he's still featured. Look at other times too when people have been off either for storyline reasons or for personal reasons or both. And in this case, it, you know, it was good for both. I think it was a great time for John to be with you, but it was also good for the stories, you know, made sense. And uh, it's hard when you don't have one of your top stars uh, in your entire portfolio of your roster there. But I do think, you know, we tried to cover it by featuring a lot of the other top stars that we have. And it's, it's great. It's the best of both worlds when you can advance a story where we did a great rating this past week where we were up and the peak of the show, there were two peaks where John came back against Kenny in the middle of the show. And then for the main event with Darby and Brian Cage, which is what we wanted. Those are the two big stories we've been building. And I think to get John back out there and the story with John and Kenny is far from over. And Damn that Omega. I didn't see a thing, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I saw your tweet about that. Saw nothing. I, yeah, I missed that. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, but I, I'm so happy he's back and, uh, you can't say enough about what he brings to our show, but it was great to feature the other wrestlers while he was out and we were able to build up Darby versus Brian Cage and done a lot of, uh, you know, really exciting stuff. We're building top flight up. They're going to be a great team for us building the acclaimed and a lot of young tag teams, private party with Matt Hardy. Love private party. Those guys are amazing. They're yeah. really, they're, they're special. They've got something cool going on, definitely. They might have signed with the wrong manager, though. I don't know. Matt, Maybe. Something, something about Matt seems pretty fishy lately. Uh, <laughs> there's something always fishy about Matt. <laughs> yeah, I love Matt. Always. Who up. else in the roster, though? I mean, you guys have the, the depth of your guys' roster is continually growing and developing. Who else are you kind of looking at, you know, say in the next five to ten years, who you kind of see AEW or just like wrestling in general kind of being on the shoulders of. I still think John's going to be a huge part of it, even though John's a huge part of it now. And MJF, the biggest program MJF's ever been in was with John. And it's one of the biggest programs of the year. And if you look at as far as moving business, you could argue it was one of the most important things in all of wrestling this year, because it did really strong business for us. And at a time when, you know, we were missing people. What's great for us right now is like five, 10 years. A lot of the people who are on top are still going to be on top in five, 10 years because our, Top people are not, uh, for the most part, you know, of the most advanced age. We have a lot of top people in their early to mid 30s. And those people I still think are going to be on top in five years. I also think there's a good chance we've seen major advancement from, like I said, MJF is very young, but he's already one of the top wrestlers. Yeah. How old is he? Like 23, 24? I think Max is 24, 25. Yeah. Okay. And Jungle Boy, Darby Allen is very young. Sammy Guevara. Love Darby. Darby's amazing. 
And in a decade, I think these are going to be really important people in wrestling. And there's a lot more, uh, you know, young stars, Ricky Starks and Brian Cage and Team Taz have done a great job. And a lot of the young tag teams we just talked about, right? Private Party, Top Flight, these guys are so young. Even in the women's division, I got to say, I mean, watching um, Tay and her matchup with Serena Deeb, seeing the growth and development in her has been incredible. I also think Anna Jay is somebody that you can just see these leaps and bounds of somebody that well, is developing or already has that star quality and just honing those skills. And it's, it's really cool to watch. I completely agree. We have some really good young stars. It's amazing how far Anna Jay has come, uh, given her experience. I mean, as a ro- true rookie in the wrestling yeah. business. And Ty Conti made great strides. Britt Baker is a star. Oh, my God. She's the best. She's so great. I love Britt. I mean, talk about just, like, getting those, like, characters in there, too. I mean, that's so important. And I, I just think she's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Britt's a three-dimensional wrestler. She can do everything. And uh, have got great people across the women's roster and really young talent. Like, we're talking about Penelope Ford's excellent uh thunder rosa has come in and been really really impactful i really think uh even though thunder rosa is not a full-time AEW wrestler she's here often and she's been great when she's here and she's added a lot also yeah absolutely um okay so now just looking at the competition in wrestling how important do you think it is for wrestling to be where it is right now and us actually to be having legit competition to having everything kind of be thriving the way that it is right now i think it's great i i think before the pandemic, which has obviously changed the way wrestling is presented, you know, you would have said a year ago or 10, 11 months ago that what a great time it is to be a wrestling fan. I still think you feel that way, but there's nothing anybody can do to control the pandemic or stop COVID. But I do think, you know, certainly when their arenas are full, this competition has been very, very good. And it's been a great time for wrestling. Um, I can only imagine how frustrated wrestling fans would have been through this if there had not been an AEW, frankly. You know, I, I think it's been the best show through the pandemic, and I'm very biased. I've, watched, I've seen other good shows, and I'm not saying it's the only good show, but I think it's been consistently the best show. And uh, I think I've seen other people do great stuff, and I think we all push each other. And likewise, I think the competition's good for us, too. And I, mostly, I think it's good for the fans. And certainly right before the pandemic, when John won the title, I was saying I thought this was the best time to be a wrestling fan. Yeah, I think a lot of people were feeling that way. Absolutely. You could feel um, that sort of surge of a new energy of like, oh, there's some new stuff going on. Some new life has been breathed into things. There's other opportunities, um, regardless of what somebody wants to wants to watch or perform. And it's nice to just have those options. Um, but is that something, do you pay attention to watching Raw or SmackDown or NXT as far as like your creative process goes and all that? Not as far as the creative process goes so much, although it is, you don't want to be doing the exact same stuff. So I do think it's important to make sure, uh, you know, you're not uh, doing the exact same stuff somebody's already doing. But I also just like watching wrestling. And I watch a lot of shows. I watch those shows, but I watch other shows too. And I watch uh, New Japan and I, I'll watch the big AAA shows like Triple Mania was great. Kenny Omega's match was excellent. If you haven't seen it, Kenny Omega versus Laredo Kid, I watched it on Twitch. It was great. Um, and there's been great wrestling all over the world. And I think uh, I watch Wrestle Kingdom. I try to keep up on their shows. And I think there was some great stuff on Wrestle Kingdom. I, there have been other shows in New Japan this year that I liked. Uh, there were other shows I didn't like from other companies and, and them included. But I think for the most part, everybody's, like you said, in wrestling has done their best to try and 
keep the fans entertained and also keep everybody working. And that's something I take a lot of pride in is that uh, we've maintained our staff and the integrity of our staff have actually grown as a company through the pandemic because I'm, uh, you know, have actually more people than we started with. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody jump on board. Uh, Okay. So now the deal with impact, how did this come about? What was the decision going into like, all right, we're going to work together with impact. Got the good brothers running in. This is Kenny's idea. He asked me about it and I love good ideas and I don't do every idea. There's, I try not to do the bad ones. (laughs) And like I said, that's been something I try to try to do a better job of. And, uh, also I don't do every good one sometimes because I don't realize they're good because I'm not perfect. I make a lot of mistakes too. And I think that uh, sometimes there are also good ones that just don't fit. Like that's a great idea. You can't do it because that person's already doing this or I can't do it because we're have another plan that we're locked into. Uh, This was something Kenny brought up that I thought was a great idea. And he put a lot of time and thought into it. And I give a hundred percent of the credit credit to Kenny. And Don Callis and Kenny have a really close relationship. And, uh, you know, I, I think that that is what was behind it. But I also think Kenny believed Don would be a very powerful advocate for him and could fill the role of a really, really strong heel manager for Kenny as a top heel in the territory. And are really, I think, the top heel in wrestling right now. And I think that's something people wanted to see. There are some wrestlers like say like Steve Austin in 2001, where I don't think people were ready to boo that, boo him or that they wanted to see that person be a villain. But I absolutely think people were ready to see this Kenny Omega. And he was excited to present it, but he didn't just want to present the same Kenny Omega people had seen. He put so much thought into innovating, into changing. And it's why I always say, I think the two best wrestlers in the world are Kenny and John are the two. And that's why we, you know, have showcased them as the top two and uh that i think this is the kenny people were ready to see but we didn't just want to flip a switch it's been a slow progression over the course of a year and if you look at the story with kenny and hangman and how it built and then the eliminator tournament to fight john and how it built and then at the end of john versus eddie when kenny walked out and it's like hey here we are winner is coming uh and i think kenny is the person that i would give the credit for that idea too. And then I went with Kenny uh, to the taping and they've got their pay-per-view this weekend. And it was something he believed in. He wanted to help Don, but he also thought it could help us. And he was right. And I, I wanted to support the idea. So I green lighted it. I said, we'll do this. We will partner with them and I'll come with you. And I went up with him. And while I was there, Tony Schiavone doesn't live far away. He's a couple hours away. He said, I'll come hang out with you. And Tony and I were up there and I had the idea. Why don't we, buy ads on impact and do promos. So funny. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I'm glad people seem to like them and that's why we've been doing them and kept doing them. And it's great. It promotes our show and it also keeps the storyline with them going. And I think that when we first did it, uh, I didn't know that people would enjoy them as much as they have. And I didn't plan to keep doing them for as long as we have, but they've gotten a really great reaction and it's good. Like I said, for both companies, I think. And so I just had the idea when we were up there and it was funny because I didn't bring a change of clothes. So I told you Tony. Didn't bring I, your like, boots. You always bring your really boots, bad. Tony. Shit. <laughs> so, yeah, I didn't bring another, like I only had the, the shirt I was wearing and we were going to tape a few of these in Nashville. And I said, Tone, I, I think we might need clothes. So 
uh, while I was with Kenny and Don and they were putting their stuff together and I was just trying to keep track of everything going on and, and there to support Kenny and also to make sure nothing, nothing too crazy was going on, uh, that, uh, Tony went and actually bought like a change of shirts for us. So, uh, it was great. Yeah. He picked up a, a black Ralph Lauren polo shirt for me, which if you see that shirt, like Tony bought that in the store along with the other shirt he's wearing in the second one, the second promo. So, uh, it's just a fun thing. It was great of him to do that. I was like, Tom, we're going to look pretty low budget here. <laughs> we're in the same shirt yeah, we can't have that. I mean, appearance is everything. Let's come on. Um, so this brings me to my next question. When are we going to get to see Tony Khan as a regular on-air personality. Is that something you ever want to do? No, it's not. And I've, I've, you've come, I've come as close to doing it as I will. It was, I made a big exception coming out and, and I thought it was the right thing to do to be there on behalf of the company to, to express for everybody how much Brody meant to us. And I wanted to pay the highest respect to him that I could and to his family and to Amanda and Brody and be there for them. Uh, but other than that, I've never come out and done that in that role. Occasionally, because of the story with Impact, there'll be times where I think it makes sense. Like Matt and Nick were, uh, this past week, for example, they were waiting to be introduced by Don. Instead, Don brought out Anderson and Gallows, the Good Brothers. So uh, Matt and Nick were standing there. Where would they watch us? Well, they were they were standing right by the curtain. They would, they would go to Gorilla and they would stand there with me, and I'm not going to be thrilled about it either. I'm not surprised because I knew what he was, if that makes sense. Like, that's why I looked at him and said, are you surprised? Uh, they should have expected this from Kenny by now. But uh, I'm not, I don't want to do that. And we have a limited amount of TV time and we have a great roster and there's a lot of other people that can be featured. And frankly, the character of the general manager doesn't need to be featured on TV a lot. You don't see the, I'm, I am the general manager of a Premier League team. You don't see me on NBC very much, <laughs> like because you know that's not uh, the job of the general manager is not to be on TV a lot. Uh, and uh, there are times, and there's a time and a place when you know if there's a statement that needs to be made or you got to say something that you do. And in the case of AEW, it's announcing matches. In the case of uh, Fulham, it could be announcing players or announcing somebody's coming in on loan or uh, you know once every few years saying, guys, you need to do a better job. Uh, but uh, there is, uh, you know, for me, the role of the general manager, there's not really a need for that person to be on TV consistently. I think you just have to explain, hey, the, the general manager's made this match. The general manager's made this match. And uh, it's a device that you need. So I think of myself more as a device than a character on the Yeah, show, no, I think that makes, that makes perfect sense. Uh, and it's it's really interesting. I mean, just looking, I mean, you're bringing it up with Fulham and, you know, with the Jaguars, everything that you guys juggle in general, I mean, for your family, what, how'd that conversation go down when you're like, I want to start a wrestling promotion? Not well. It didn't go well. You know, he did not support this at all. And I put the business plan together and then I was pretty much ready to commit to it. And again, he was uh, very cold feet and we had some very uncomfortable loud conversations uh, where I told him this was going to be great and he's been so cool about it my dad he's the smartest person I've ever known he knew nothing about wrestling and now all of a sudden because he's the smartest business person now that he's paying attention to wrestling he's learning a lot and he makes really observant points sometimes even though it's not his thing uh, he loves AEW AEW is his thing but he was never a wrestling fan before AEW I have a lot of people close to me that are like that, that are intellectuals, like the highest IQ people I know that 
kind of look down on wrestling. Now they watch AEW and they see it and they're like, wow, I never watched wrestling before. But uh, to be fair, I told them, if you, you know, if you tried watching wrestling five years ago, you probably wouldn't have liked what we were watching. And this is, I try not to insult the audience's intelligence. Uh, you know, I know it's, we don't do perfect, but I, you know, try to maintain sense of logic and uh, not do ridiculous stuff all the time. Even though I think I think people can so, really get a different uh, um, respect for wrestling, though, because I think wrestling has always sort of been, you know, kind of regarded as like that black sheep of entertainment or whatever. People snub their nose up at it, but once you really start to understand the psychology that goes behind it, the athletics behind it, it's impossible to not develop a respect for what the companies are doing, what the talent is doing. So it's really cool when you can see new people jump on board and become fans and they start asking questions and eventually they start talking Carney. It's one thing after another. <laughs> That's the crazy thing is how quickly people learn it and they start reading, you know, forums online, they go on Reddit, they go on Twitter and they learn a lot. But my best friend is a Harvard math major. He's got a degree from Harvard in math and he's a genius. He's one of the smartest people I know. And same as my dad, he paid no attention to wrestling. And I would always try to get these people to watch wrestling. I was, now this is not an expression you would want to use during COVID, but I tried to spread the love of wrestling. <laughs> I would, anybody who was around me, I would uh, try to infect them with loving <laughs> wrestling. And some people, I made a lot of fans in uh, my lifetime in school, especially, you know, uh, and they they wouldn't watch wrestling when I wasn't around as much. Some of them became like lifelong fans, but uh, there were other people that would like, they would watch it with me and they kind of knew what was going on, but I would try and bring people into it. And my father was never someone I succeeded on. What is your go-to match when you're telling someone to get into it? You're like, Hey, just go watch this and then come back and talk to me. What's like your quick knee jerk reaction to that? It's changed a lot over time. When I was a real young, it might've been like Steamboat versus Savage from WrestleMania three, or it might've been, Bret Hart versus Mr. Perfect from King of the Ring, 93. Then I got Ric Flair, Ricky Steamboat matches, and I would have said those, Flair and Steamboat. The Chi-Town Rumble was a tape I had uh, when I was young before I'd even seen the Music City Showdown in Nashville or the New Orleans Clash. Then later, I might have said the John Cena-Brock Lesnar match where they beat the hell out of each other. Oh, wow. Not the short one. Not the short beating. I'm talking about Brock's first match back, Extreme Rules 2012, uh, where... He absolutely just beat the shit out of John. Those are some big meaty men beating the hell out of each other. That was something. And it wasn't for everybody, uh, but it was a lot safer than the match he had with Randy at SummerSlam, I thought. And uh, it was also still the idea. I thought they were trying to create that it was like a dangerous situation. And then I would have said a lot of matches that involved the Young Bucks and the Golden Lovers. Uh, I got really into around 2013, 14. I got, I'd seen the Golden Lovers and I was, I really liked the Young Bucks a lot. And I thought that, hey, these guys are going to be like the next Hardy Boys in 2009, 2010. That's what I thought. And I think a lot of wrestling fans felt that way. They've come to transcend tag team wrestling and they're so important. And for our division, so many of the teams that are here and, and the emphasis we put on it, so much of it comes down to the Young Bucks and their belief in it and how great they are as tag team wrestlers and their minds for tag team wrestling. So great. I've got a Golden Lovers shirt upstairs I keep forgetting to take out. I, I couldn't technically wear it for a very long time. So I think I got to bust that thing out. <laughs> that's great. I love the Golden Lovers. And I love, the, you know, the, the, that stuff is great. And I, I the, the G1 of that time were great. 
so before AEW, these are some things I might have pointed out. And now if people ask me to point to matches, I would point to Revolution. I would say, watch that show, Bell to Bell. I think it's the best wrestling pay-per-view I've ever seen. You can't top a show with a better closing moment or a more satisfying conclusion than John winning the title, the eye patch thing being a bit of playing possum, the speech he gave at the end to the Chicago crowd, which is the perfect place for us to do it because Chicago has been so important in the development of AEW. Start to finish, I think Young Bucks versus Kenny and Hangman is one of the greatest matches uh, in the culmination of that part of the story, but a story that kept going and really just the end of that chapter, not the end of the story. I think Cody and MJF also, that was the culmination of a, of a great story and something we haven't gone back to that someday I think we will maybe see those guys cross paths again, but Cody and MJF was a great match that uh, ended a really, really, really important story for us. Orange Cassidy and Pac. Oh my God, that was fantastic. I had that one up my sleeve for several months and nobody knew Orange Cassidy and Pac were working the pay-per-view and then People would ask me like a month out, like, well, what's Pac doing at the pay-per-view? How's that going to work? Yeah. I was like, yeah, it's going to be Orange Cassidy versus Pac. And like, wait, what? And <laughs> because the build, was, the build was very subtle because they had done stuff. There had been like Pac versus Trent. There had been a six-man tag before I had uh, this death triangle thing I'd conceived with uh, Pac and the Lucha Brothers. I had had Pac just with uh, TH2, Jack and Angelico. So there would be partners against best friends Orange Cassidy. So they'd like had some matches. I was going to be able to build good video packages and tell some backstory. But really the key thing was when Pac was at his most angry moment after the Iron Man match with Kenny is the perfect time for Orange Cassidy to come out there. And I was in catering in Kansas City with Orange Cassidy and the best friends and Tony Schiavone before their interviews that they would do later in the show. And I was telling him that after Chuck said this line that I wanted him to say, you know, that Orange Cassidy is going to try at Revolution, I was promising the guys this crowd is going to chant he's going to try he's going to try he's going to try and they did (laughs) 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 Uh, and so i love that match and it was really fun uh working on that and darby and sammy another story that is a satisfying conclusion i mentioned savage and steamboat earlier and i'd be lying if i said that darby getting his throat smashed with the skateboard wasn't inspired by that yeah and there's uh so much great stuff on that show but those are are some of the great things, and that's my favorite wrestling pay-per-view. So now I would probably point someone to Revolution, maybe give them the countdown to Revolution so they get all the stories in and understand what was going on with John and the inner circle, how you know he'd rejected their offer and the car, stolen the car, and they took his eye out. And then- I still get asked to this day if we still own that car. <laughs> that's my dad's car. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. John's driven it a number of times now, though. He's done some donuts in it, and hopefully Dad's not listening to your show. I know, right? Uh, <laughs> hey. All right, Dad. Um, okay, so you mentioned your dad and uh, him now jumping on board. He's figuring out the wrestling world. What is it like being raised by a self-made billionaire? Like, what is that pressure like? Was he always in business mode? Like, I'm fascinated by this. It's really, really hard. Uh, he's really nice person. He's very supportive and he's a very loving man. He's also a very, very hard man. Uh, he's not going to give it to you easy. He's not going to tell you you've pulled something off or done a good job on something unless he really, really means it. And I don't hear it from him very often, but I've heard it from him a lot on AEW. And he's also been really great to say in public that he was very wrong about AEW and he even went to Forbes 
and big multiple big publications and has said in print that it's a good lesson in parenting that sometimes you have to trust your kid. And in this case, I had put a business plan together and we all know like these, I think it's a lot of wrestling fans probably listening to your show, maybe some who aren't, but, and then maybe we'll make them fans. But I do think, you know, I hope, but uh, then you would think after, you know, all this time that after dynamite has had a lot of good results, that it would get old hearing good job from him. But now hearing it most weeks, almost every week, it's pretty nice. He watches the show. He likes the show. And he's really proud of AEW. And that makes me really proud. Um, you know, I haven't heard it a lot. To be fair, it's hard to get the praise from him, but it's worth it when you get it. And he's a really, really great person. He's very, very loving and sweet, but he's not going to sugarcoat things or tell you you've done something really special if you haven't. I respect that. I think there's something to it where he's like a self-made hard driven man who's so intelligent and sometimes he's really hard to get a read on and he's very caring but he doesn't always show it but he's really nice and it doesn't always seem that way to people and people are really intimidated by him and you really have to earn his respect praise does not come from him lightly everything i just said applies to both dad and to john so our kids in for a doozy (laughs) I, maybe I mean professionally. I don't know what it's like living with John, but professionally, like a compliment from John is the highest compliment you can get in wrestling. Like he doesn't throw praise around lightly, uh, and he's not one for the gooey stuff. But I do think that when you get give him some, a few cocktails, then he is maybe a little more with a couple. But you know what I mean. You know what I mean. Like yeah. I, it is a good yeah. comparison of a self-made man who's accomplished so much and become world famous and done it all on his own. And I think there are good comparisons there. So actually, uh, two of the people that aren't always going to languish praise on you, but when I get it, I'm really proud of it, are Dad and John. And so maybe if that, I'm just giving that as a comparison so that you understand, because I love my dad so much, and I love John so much, and I actually see a lot of similarities. Yeah. So. No, it's I, it's, it's I just find that like interesting just to imagine what that would like being like growing up in a household like that. And you went to the same school as your dad too, right? Yeah. It, yeah. That was just like an active decision just to like follow in the footsteps. I grew up there. It was like, it was a huge part of my life. My parents had gone to school there. They met there. My dad started his business in Champaign. And uh, I don't know if you have been through Champaign because they, they never did TV there, but there were house shows there. And I'm sure I've driven through Champaign. Yeah. A lot of, it was like a house show town. So it's a college town and I grew up there and I actually went to a high school on the campus of the college I went to where my parents went to school. And I, so I'd grown up there and I go into the Illinois games to me, my childhood was wrestling and Illinois football and Illinois basketball. And so I grew up around, you know, wrestling in the big 10. Funnily enough, I never got that interested in amateur wrestling, even though the big 10 is the best league for amateur wrestling. And it was like literally five minutes from my house, all the, uh, and people would tell me there's real wrestling, go see the real wrestling. Don't watch the stuff you watch on TV. in like the early nineties when I was a kid and always try and take me to see collegiate wrestling I just couldn't get into it even though it's a great sport and uh I was so focused on you know like I said wrestling and Illinois football and basketball so it was an easy choice for me I only applied to one college I had gone to University of Illinois Laboratory High School and it's like half the kids in my high school class because I went to a a, it's a public school but it's academic merit-based so you had to test and to get in and they check your grades and your references and but it's a public school there's no tuition and uh, I went to the University of Illinois Laboratory High School and went there from eighth grade to 12th grade. And I'd also gone to the university's 
preschool and kindergarten program for advanced students. Whoa. Oh my gosh. You never left the campus. I almost never did leave the campus <laughs> other than first grade to seventh grade. I was there uh, for an amazing amount of time, preschool, wow. kindergarten, and then eight to 12. And then for college, which was, I did a couple extra years of college too, because I changed majors. What did you major in? I started in college of engineering and then I had mono and I got a little oh, behind shit. and I tried to catch up and I didn't get totally caught up. And then I tried to press ahead and I was like, you know, to be honest, I spent a lot of time watching wrestling and writing dynamite, which sounds absurd, but I spent a lot of time watching wrestling and writing dynamite and uh, they were on different nights of the week. But the great thing about dynamite is it rhymes with any night. It's been on Wednesdays. It's been on Saturdays, but it, you know, dynamite. I've been, I've been writing it for now for about 26 years. Wow. Since I was like 12 years old. And uh, so I would at late at night, but I also like went out a lot. I mean, you know me pretty well. We're good friends. Yeah. And, you know, like I'll go out and have a drink and have fun. Hell yeah. Nevertheless, I, I grew up on that campus and that may have inspired them, but I, uh, I, that's why it was an easy choice for me to go to school at Illinois. Did your parents meet on that campus too? Yeah. At a bar. Oh, hell yeah. So what, they've been together for how many years now? Uh, 50 years. Wow. Like a little over 50. Good for them. Is that something that you like aspire to seeing your parents be together for so long and everything they've been able to build together? That's pretty fantastic. It is amazing what they built together and it's amazing what they've done professionally. And I think they, I believe they've raised a great family. I love my sister very much and uh, she and her husband are very happy and I'm trying to do the best for the family I can. I definitely think that's very inspirational and my mom doesn't get talked about as much but she loves AEW too and I wouldn't have been able to go to the video stores and rent all those wrestling tapes and all those WCW shows and Coliseum videos if it weren't for my mom taking me and having a lot of patience uh and uh honestly uh my parents have inspired me a lot absolutely even though they didn't really watch wrestling before AEW it wouldn't have been possible for me to order pay-per-views, even though, and they, you know, people would think I was able, Tony Khan probably ordered like every wrestling pay-per-view as a kid. I did not, they did not. I watch a lot of, my parents are hard people. I watch a lot of wrestling pay-per-views through uh, the scramble. This is a weird question, but with us having a baby on the way, John's very much of the mindset of like, our kids needs to think that we're poor. I want them to think that we don't really have anything so that they have to work harder. They don't just get everything. Was it like that? Yeah, at first I had no idea uh, until old, people told me that my family had money. <laughs> Seriously, I didn't know I, there was really? any difference. Yeah, they didn't tell me. What made him want to branch into the sports world? I mean, he starts with Flexingate, creating parts for Toyota, right? Yeah. And then branches into getting the Jaguars, now Fulham FC, you've got the Premier League, and now you've got AEW. What kind of spark that of like, I want to invest my money in this and start really focusing in this area? My whole life, my dad always wanted to own a football team, an NFL team. And he always said that's the great asset you know the nfl is the greatest league that's when you know you've really made it right i think so and he always wanted to do it and it was that was his dream and he worked for years for you know probably close i mean he worked so long to accumulate wealth but then he worked a long time to figure out how you buy an nfl team who you work with and he came pretty close to buying the rams it's on the eye of the beholder how close he really came but um he had an agreement to buy 60% of the Rams and the current owner, Mr. Kroenke, who owns the Rams right now, he owned 40% and he had the right to match and buy the other 60%, but he had never done it before. And so dad bought the 60% on paper, which triggered the uh, matching rights. And he 
you know, at the end of the window, he exercised them and he did end up now owning a hundred percent of the Rams, um, which was actually kind of a local team for us. Cause Champagne is sort of in between this triangle of St. Louis, Indianapolis and Chicago. And uh, St. Louis is close to a lot of people in Champagne tarts. Uh, and I've spent a lot of time there, so it would have been cool, but then uh, it worked out amazingly and I wouldn't ever change a thing because you look at where we're at now with, the Jaguars here and also AEW being run out of Jacksonville and having this great fan base and this great place where we're able to safely run these shows outdoors, uh, even in the winter. Pretty cool. Yeah. And it's a great venue. I love that venue. It's really, especially the last time I was there and like the sunsets coming down, it's a hell of an ambiance. Yeah. It's awesome. Well, I, you know, you have a good uh, excuse why you're not here right now, so we miss you. That's true. That's true. I'll be back. I'll be back with a kid in tow next time, 100%. I'm excited for that. I will have a uh, – hopefully Wouldn't it'll be – that be, be a, crazy? Yeah, I want to – I can't wait to meet this kid. And then Brandy and Cody will be just like a month behind us. So you'll, they'll, we'll have to set up like some kind of a playpen back there or something. I don't know. This is our developmental plan. Developmental yeah. <laughs> program is you guys just keep having yes. babies. Just keep procreating. Uh, well, listen, Tony, I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down with me and chat and be so open and spill the beans on so much cool wrestling stuff and about your family and growing up and everything. So it's been a blast to get to see you and catch up with you. And hopefully I'll get to see you in person soon. The pleasure is mine. It's been way too long. We've really missed you. And like I said, there's been a very valid reason why you haven't been around recently. But uh, this is selfishly for me. I was just really excited to see you and catch up. So uh this is a rare pleasure, and honestly, the pleasure was all mine. It's great to see you. Oh, thanks so much, and uh, congratulations with, with everything going on with you. You're a very busy man, so maybe you'll go take a nap or something now or <laughs> no. rest. Or move into your new place. Go move. I will. Thank you. Okay, I absolutely loved this chit-chat with Tony. I feel like there's so much stuff that we didn't even get to air in here because we were chatting for so long. I had a blast talking to him. I hope you guys really enjoyed listening to this conversation. I love that Tony was so candid and open and he's such a smart dude. You know, like I feel like when someone asks me a question and I've got like a long answer to it, I sort of, I start talking and then I forget what I'm talking about and can't really bring it around. Tony, like he hits all of his points. He remembers everything. Uh, He's just, he's on a whole other level. I'm also a dumbass, but he's very smart. Um, as we all know, I mean, look at the, look at the success, the resume, the, the business AQ mall. Did I say that right? Anyways, um, that was a blast. We've got some great episodes lined up for you guys coming up in the next few weeks. So hold on to your butts. They're coming in hot. You guys are going to love it. Guys, this episode of Oral Sessions is sponsored by Apostrophe, a prescription skincare company for people that are ready to take their acne seriously. Prescription acne treatment really works. However, it's hard to get. You've got to take time off work to go see a doctor, sit in line at the pharmacy, all for your medications. That is all, ladies and gentlemen, until apostrophe. Apostrophe makes it easy to see a board-certified dermatologist online. You'll get treated immediately and your medications are delivered right to your home. Simply fill out Apostrophe's online questionnaire about your skin concerns and your medical history. Then you just got to snap a few selfies and your dermatologist will get back to you with a customized treatment plan tailored just for you. And the best part is that Apostrophe actually offers topical and oral medications so that you can treat your acne from the inside out and the outside. And we are targeting this acne from all over, left, right, and center, inside, outside. Um, Apostrophe also treats, so they treat acne, but they can also help you with other skincare goals, such as reducing redness, wrinkles, and even dark spots. 
which again, that's been a lifesaver for me uh, during this time with a, a pregnancy skin. Who knows what's going on with my skin these days, but apostrophe has been a huge help. So yeah, I mean, just just a service experience in general was was great. I mean, it's so amazing to know that I had a real dermatologist and that I had a plan that was tailored specifically to me. Fantastic. And what was good too is I actually had a little check mark on there that I could put that I was pregnant for this because a lot of times when you're pregnant, you can't can't use all the same skincare stuff. You got to be careful about everything you put in your body and on your body, all that stuff. So really cool to know that I had an actual dermatologist on the other end um, of the questionnaire, which took two seconds, by the way. Um, yeah, submitting your visit, it was just, it's so, so easy. It takes two seconds. You just log on, fill out the questionnaire, get it back, send those photos. It honestly took me less than five minutes. And then you get the prescription medication right to your door. So for you guys to get $15 off your first visit with a board certified dermatologist at apostrophe.com slash Renee and use the code Renee. This code is only available to our listeners just for you guys. We want everyone to have beautiful skin. Um, so to get you guys started, just go to apostrophe.com slash Renee and click begin visit. Then use the code Renee at your sign up and you're going to get $15 off your dermatology visit. That's A-P-O-S-T-R-O. P-H-E dot com slash Renee, R-E-N-E-E. And make sure to use that code Renee so you guys can get your dermatology visit for $15 off. So big thank you to Apostrophe for sponsoring this episode of Oral Sessions. I'll see you guys next week because, oh, we got a good guest. Was that a little bit of a teaser? Did I do it right? Tune in next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.